This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. I've jumped on with fans of fellow championship clubs to gauge their thoughts and opinions ahead of the return of the world's best second tier. We'll talk transfers, predictions, squad depth, youth talents, and most importantly, how they think Argyle will get on in our return to the Championship. Split into a few parts, we'll venture from Bristol to Sunderland via Coventry, Millwall, Cardiff and Sheffield and try our best to cover the whole league. So without taking up any more time on an intro, let's get into it. Hi guys, I'm Matt from the Huddersfield Town podcast, Andy Takes That Chance. And you can find us at www.takesthatchance.com or across social media at at Takes That Chance. So last season was absolutely horrifying. The club lurched from disaster to disaster, compounded by self-inflicted error after error. The damage inflicted by Danny Schofield and Mark Fotheringham as head coaches looked like it was going to be too much for even Neil Warnock at first. But, you know, the wily old fox, he did it, he saved us. And it was pretty glorious, really, in those last 10 games. Uh, you've asked me if Neil Warnock is the right man for the job and I'd have to say yes at this moment in time. It feels like we're in some sort of financial despair at the moment with a lot of players leaving and very little coming back the other way and I smell a potential crisis. But who better than Neil Warnock to uh, to be a crisis manager, eh? Uh, so providing he's fit and healthy, then hopefully he'll see us through to the end of the season then we can start to move forward uh, from then on. The mood with the fans itself is very split. Uh, you either get those fans who are rather blasé about the whole situation and seem to think we'll push into the top half just because we've got Neil Warnock, whilst the other side basically think that we're doomed uh, because we've got a small squad and very little sign of quality coming into the club to help that. So you do really have two polarising views at the minute and we're all perhaps uh, a little bit um, a little bit crazy at the moment up here. Um, and the reason for this really is the transfer window. We've let around 28 players go across the 19s B team and first team since the end of last season with either them being sold, loaned out, released or returning to parent clubs from loans. And we've just brought in two 
which are the number two goalkeeper from Blackpool and a right back who a lot of Stoke fans think is absolutely gash. So um, there we go. So the new owner is is quite active on Twitter, or our new owner, and he keeps preaching patience. But in truth, with our fan base, a lot of that's in short supply after a bad season last year and uh, blowing a real position of strength from 2022 when we finished third. So if we're still active in the window, then we have to sign a quality striker and central midfielder. Without that, we're in for a really tough scrap and we can't just keep relying on the defence of Michal Helic, Matty Pearson and, and Tom Lees with the goalkeeper Lee Nichols and expecting them to bail us out week after week, which they tend to do. Um, but they are some of our better players and we are quite solid at the back, um, despite us conceding quite a lot of goals, ironically. But they are some of our better players. Uh, in terms of youth prospects, we've just sold one for over two million to Udinese, but we've got several others who could be the next big thing as well. Jaheim Headley came back from Harrogate, a much improved player after he went on loan, and he's a wing back that's very explosive. Uh, Pat Jones, if we can get him fit ever, he's got cheese strings instead of hamstrings. He's a very quick winger who really frightens even the quickest of defenders. Kean Harrett is a goal poacher and and also a poacher of other things, if you Google him. Um, I've tried to get the South Stand lads at the club to start a, a rendition of there's Harat in my kitchen, what am I going to do when he scores? But unsurprisingly, there's few takers on that one. Uh, Brahima Diara is probably our brightest talent. He's a, a Mali under-23 international, and he could be electric if you give him space to dribble into. And Big things are hoped for from him, but... In typical Huddersfield town style, he's out of contract to the end of the season and he probably won't sign a new one. So, you know, um, that's uh, us in a nutshell the last few years. So let's talk about the season. Um, it feels like the new owners just want Neil Warnock to come in and steady the ship and keep our heads above water. And doing so would probably constitute a success, really, but there are only so many times that you can do that before the tide comes in and your head is underwater. 20th is what I'm hoping for, but maybe higher if we actually sign someone decent this window. Uh, elsewhere in the league, Leicester look good, I think, for winning it. They're, they've got us second game of the season in Huddersfield, and whoever gets us away first tends to win the league, so put your money on them. Uh, Southampton, Leeds, Middlesbrough could get second. That's Coventry, really, who, who seem to be signing well. Ipswich are... A dark horse, but everyone seems to be saying Ipswich, so I'm not sure that counts anymore. Uh, if I had to go really left field for a dark horse, I'd maybe mention Birmingham and Bristol City. Um, both could finish anywhere from between 6th to 22nd. They're both complete wild cards, um, but they've signed quite well, so with a bit of luck and you know, a free run of injuries, you know who knows what could happen there. Um, and you've asked me how Plymouth will do, and, and for me it's all about how you start the season. Uh, if you come into it riding the momentum of last year into this, you'll probably find out that the first half of the season is probably enough to keep you in, in this league. And I suspect you might fade away in the second half of the season and finish in a lower mid-table position. Um, if you get off to a bad start, then who knows, it could be uh, choppy waters. But uh, if Plymouth don't go down or Huddersfield don't go down, then who does? Um, I obviously can't say my own team. Uh, and I tend to look at clubs with ownership issues or financial irregularities or issues uh, to go down. The two that stand out initially are Sheffield Wednesday and Cardiff, although Cardiff have signed some quite good players. Um, Sheffield Wednesday just 
with the, there's, there's some funny noises coming from the owner there and Darren Moore leaving just makes me wonder if they're in for a bit of a, a strange season, um, which would be a shame for them after battling so hard to come back up. Uh, QPR were poor at the end of last season, but they should have enough quality to be okay with you know your Elias Chairs and Chris Willock and Lyndon Dykes. Um, so it could just come down to a really random club pressing the suicide button and Preston and Blackburn have made some really odd financial noises this summer or slightly before the summer, although Preston seem to have gone out and signed a couple of players. And I wouldn't even rule out someone like West Brom or Watford going insane, although West Brom should be fine with, with Carlos Corbran. It's it's probably the most open league uh, for a long time is this, and genuinely there could be 10, 15, 16 teams that could find themselves at one point uh, looking at the top six and then later on in the season looking at the bottom three. So I think it's going to be a really interesting one. Uh, I just hope that my club don't stink uh, stink the league out this year So like we did last. So um, all the best to you guys. I'm heading down to Plymouth for the first game of the season. So my first trip down there. So good to see you all and uh, all the best for the f- for the future. And again, you can find us at, at Takes That Chance if you, if you want to check out how Huddersfield are doing through the season. After a season of disappointment resulting in relegation from the Premier League, Leeds United have seen a host of changes on and off the pitch with new owners and a new manager in Daniel Farker. Joining me to talk through all things Leeds United is Carl from the Totally Levy and Horn Football Podcast. Thanks for jumping on, Carl. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to have you. Uh, Let's just kick things off by running us through last season and how you got on. Yeah, very disappointed last season. We did learn from my mistakes from the second from the second from the previous season where we narrowly stayed up. Um, we did spend our transfer money quite well after Calvin Phillips and Rafinha left, and you know, a, a turnover of managers bringing Big Sam in the last four games didn't make any difference at all. We didn't win as well. Um, a lot of questions about the ownership. Under Andre Razzani, he's very not well liked with the fans. Victor Teo, you know, you know, probably not being the best director of football with our chat with buying players, and it was a lot of mis- lot of mistakes going in the club, and there was not a lot of communication. And the fans were very frustrated, you know. With it was going back to the to the realms of under Rizdale and Chilino, you know, in that way of fashion, and you know, I was really disappointed how that happened, you know. Because we, you know, after fighting back to get back in the Premier League after 16 years away, and then we, after a free departure, we get relegated again. You know, it just shows you that the club was in disarray, and I think the players, some of the players who were bought last season, didn't want to be in that fight at all. So it was a lot of disappointments last season, and especially there was not any positives in that in that Leeds in that Leeds team last season. So you mentioned it there, obviously no owners. Can you give us a little bit more of insight into those, into who they are? Yeah, so the San Francisco 49er investment arm have been part of the club since about end of about 2018. They were minority stakeholders and they are the investment arm of the NFL team, the 49ers, and they were putting, pumping in money in, increasing their stake a lot. And under the new ownership, we have got some investors such as Jordan Spieth, the golfer, and also uh, Ricky Fowler was one of them, but he dropped out. Uh, we got Russell Westbrook, part of that investment group as well. And we got the, the, the one of the two, the, 
big investors such as the CEO of the, the shopping um, centre, Westfield Group, as well. So there is a lot of money to be pumping into the club. So this club, so the investors have now taken over the club fully now, 100%. Uh, they got it on a reduced deal rather than if they said in Premier League, it would have cost them half a billion pounds. But they got it for 100, 170 million pounds. Uh, took a bit longer than expected, but it, it's got there. And you know, the the, the, the new ownership are not going to mess about. Uh, they said the right words, uh, they are going to support our new manager and the new structure as well to make sure we get back in the Premier League at the first time asking. And getting into the Premier League at the first time of asking is the job of Daniel Farker. Is, what do you think about that appointment? Right man for the job? I think he's the right man for the job. I've probably said in the previous times, the way in the, on other podcasts, the way he at Norwich, I think he had a bit of arrogance against him and I think that why Norwich did stay up. But I think in the terms of promotion, credentials, he's the right man. And I think he's the right man to take us on to get this club. Because I think... I don't think he was backed enough properly at Norwich the last, you know, under his tenure, which is I think he was, which is which is fairly right. I think he's going to be probably back to what he needs to do, and I think we got we got sensible people. I think he's like Bielsa, but he will love he will love you. Bielsa is the one. Bielsa did love you, training he was hard, but you know, for what I've heard, Farker is like Bielsa, but with a bit of love in him, and I think that's going to help the Leeds players because I think the last two years the Leeds just. Got away with nearly everything. The least put the least squad of the players got nearly away with everything. They didn't take no accountability. But I think Farker will make sure the least players will take accountability and he's going to bring in the right changes that we need to do to try to get the get this club back promoted and try to become more of an established Premier League team. That's what the wider Fortnite investors investments have really want. Why they bought this club 100 ownership now because they want to have an established Premier League club. Yeah, you say about making the right changes. Obviously, we were talking off air about how the Council window's been a bit slow. Run us through your summer business. Yeah, we are in close of getting Carl Dowler from Newcastle. Um, the deal's nearly done. Uh, we'll have that official confirmation, hopefully within the next 24, 48 hours. Uh, Ethan Pantamento from Chelsea, very good player for £7 million. Actually, he's versatile, but I think he's going to be more of a defensive midfielder along with Tyler Adams if he stays beyond as well. Pantamento's, you know, I think he's a good player. I think you know, I think he's not getting any chances at Chelsea, you know, which was a bit unfair for him. But I think it was the right sensible transfer. And we've had to let a lot of departures go, especially with um, Robin Cock, uh, Brendan Harrison, Diego Lorente, Ramos Christensen, Rodrigo, uh, Hope and Superhuman Max Ferber as well, Mark Rocker. We've had to let Mawson go on loan. Uh, Rodrigo's gone to Qatar for, for about £3 million. So Leeds have not made a huge investment. So those players have gone on loan. One or two will have an option to buy, but I think that's only Mark Rocker. But um, so they were the players that we bought last season. Didn't really play, didn't do well. And like I said, Brendan Harrison, who's very, who's very lightweight coming to the Premier League, and he hasn't been his best when he, when he, when he against the game against Chelsea. So there's, it's, his chances have been very slow. It will pick up probably before we get to the end of the transfer window in August and the end of next month. I think that will be better for us once we get settled down. You know, it's going to take time. We'll, we'll see what the current player situation with the other players, and they're committed to stay with the club to play out, to play out, to get a promote, get a promotion push back to the Premier League. Yeah. So you say about bringing Carl Darlow in. Obviously, that's your keeper sorted. Where else in the squad do you feel a little bit weak? We're weaker up front. We need a number nine, number number nine and number ten. Uh, I know Daniel James has come back, 
on loan from Fulham. Um, but issues with his number nine, mainly we think Patrick Bamford is going to be probably believe it will, will be in Daniel Farkas' plans. We can see that. I think Rutter, who's our expensive signing, he's more of a, on, a, on a wing rather than a striker. So I think he will be more on the wing. But we need a number nine and a number 10. That's the way the issues we need to have a bit more creativity because that's where we did struggle most of last season. Um, Bamford was not at his best. He's been struggling the last two years with his injuries, with his injuries, especially with his hamstring and calf injuries. So I think for that matter of fact, it needs to be, we need to find another strike. We need to get a striker permanently who can score goals in the championship like a team of Pookie type. And that's what we do need at the moment. And I think Farker is really doing his best with the, with the new direct sporting director, with Angus Keneal, who was one of the three clowns I call. I think at least he gets a reprieve to just stay on for one more season because I think he must be tied from under what he was under, under Anzani. But... As I said at the moment, it, it's gonna it will take time with the players, but we do need a number nine, ten and number nine. And I think we'll need one more midfielder and probably another centre back because especially with Lorente going and Cop going, we are very light up that. We got Charlie Cresswell, who had a very good season at Millwall last season. I think he, you know, I know he's been one or two rules he's been linked to some Premier to Premier League, but I think Leeds were able to keep him to get him under the new contract. And I think we need another left back as well, too, because that's why we have been struggling as well under Junior Furpo, who hasn't been consistent at all since he joined the club two years ago. So it's a lot. There's a least and more of the areas we need to get at the moment, and especially with the situation with Meslier, if he's going to be going. But I don't think he will. I can't see him going at the moment. I just don't know if he will go. Yeah, you say about a few players that you've had out on loan um, in the Championship over the last couple of seasons with um, Cresswell, Shackleton, Cody Drama. Which youth press prospect is the one to look out for for you this season? There's a few. There's a few under the, uh, this little card. I think uh, Diaka Gabby and Archie Gray, I think they will have more game time now. I think they will have more game time now in the championship. I think Cresswell, after he success a long season at Moa, I think he will get more first team games. Shackleton has been a more questionable one. I think there's been talks about him going, leaving the club. Hopefully. We don't know that's going to be a factor. I think there's not been any links with him, but he has. I don't think he's under Farkas plans at the moment, but those are the key players at the moment. I think will be very exciting. I think Garby coming from Man City, you know, other youth, very good youth academy they have. I think he's going to be a very good prospect because I think he's been dying to get some games under him. I think Archie Gray, we've talked about in the last few years. It's been held back a little bit, but I think under Farke, it's been looking really, it's been looking really been good in the preseason, actually, Gray. And I think that's what we need. I think the one player that we're looking surprised is Eva Pereira, which he's been the outcast of the Leeds the last year or so. He looks, he looks, he looks in fantastic in form in the preseason. I think he's going to be another one of those young players that who can you know come up because, like I said, he, he you know there was questions about can he fit playing in the Premier League, but. I think if he plays well in the championship, he has a very good chance if we can get under the right tactics and under the right formation. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to those youngsters coming in and actually, you know, pushing us to get to promotion. So, on to next season then. What's the current mood like in the fan base? I think there's a lot more positive now than compared to it was negative last season under Jesse, under Marsh, Gracia. And Big Sam, I think it's a lot more positive now that there is a bit of a fresh, you know, I think there's a lot more better communication between the board and the supporters now for the first time in decades. 
in probably two decades, you know. So that's the huge difference. I think under Farka, we are going to give him a chance and we are going to back this team because, like I said, we know that we know the we know this squad is good, but we do need. But like I said, the squad should have been invested properly in the last two seasons because the, the still the team is still was was a, was a core championship players and it should have been invested properly. I think if we can get some good, decent Premier League quality players that want to come down to the championship, that will be good for us, and I think that will be helpful for us to try to really do well to try fight against Leicester and probably Southampton as well, Middlesbrough, you know, Millwall, because they those teams are commentary, they those teams are not going to be messing about this season. So we have to be very, very vigilant and very like, yeah, there's gonna be really close games. We're gonna to have to take make take the extra shift into the extra gear. So you you've already mentioned about bouncing back to the Premier League. Give us a realistic prediction of where you think you'll finish. I think at the moment under this current squad, I know we got we'll get Muppets. I think it may be just the top two. I think Leicester above us. I think that's where we are at the moment. I think it's just we'll probably need to get the promotion. I don't, I'm not worried about being champions. I think it's just getting us in the top two is probably the better thing. But second place is probably our maximum expectations. But minimum, minimum, I want us to make sure we're in the playoffs if that's the minimum expectations. Yeah, nice. So we'll do some quick fire predictions. You've you've basically answered the first two questions, but so these these will be quite easy for yourself. But who wins the league? I think Leicester will just win the league. Just win the league. I think it's going to be close, but I think Leicester. I've got the core players that they have. I know the lot Barnes and Madison are now gone, but depends on all the players. I think they will have the, if Vardy can continue can get his goal to score back for him in the championship. I think Leicester will pip us just, but anything can happen. So I think it might be Leicester, just about. Runners up. I'm going to say ourselves. I'm going to back us. It's 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 make a break for us now. At first, I'm asking, you know. So I am going to put us in 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 in, in the runners up. Nice, and then a dark horse. I am going to. I think Middlesbrough will be the dark horses again. Under Michael Carrick, they played terrific football. The way they were last season, that when I went at the bottom, you know, under you know, under I think it was under Chris Wilder, it just didn't work well. And look where they came back. And, and under Carrick, who's been playing fantastic football, I think I think they will be the dark horses. I mean, as well, well no, make no, make no mistake about it. They have been pushing and put. They've been pushing and got close. I think they will be the dark horses. And then before you name your bottom three. How do you think Argyle will get on in their first season back in the championship? I think Plymouth Argyle will get back decently. I, I've watched when I, when I, when Argyle was in the championship back in the mid two thousands. I really enjoyed your football. I really watched it. It was more you know you got to the to the so you got to the, the last stage of the FA Cup in 2006-2007. You played really. You you had a very good decent team, and I thought you would have chance to play off. You know, especially with what you went through with your financial situations as well. I think I think people will have a good DC season. I think you be well both well against. So I think you'd be more better in, the, in around the mid table. I think you have no issues at all. I think you'd be in between the top half and the bottom half of, of the championship. I just I can't see you guys showing. I really can't. I think you've got very really good squad depth at the moment. I think either you've got a fantastic memory or you've done some research because um, us getting to a, a semi final of a, an FA Cup is it's not something most people remember. So. <laughs> Well done on that one. And then just your, you. uh, your bottom three, three teams to go down. I think Cardiff will go down. I think they've really been struggling. 
I hate to say this. I don't. Yeah, Cardiff. I can see Cardiff going down. Actually, um, I think Sheffield Wednesday will struggle a little bit as well after what's been going on. I think it was surprising. Darren Moore was let go. Very surprising. I I just see them struggling. The last team. Oh God. I think I hate to say this because I'm, I'm from that home. From the I think Huddersfield might struggle because they've not been doing much signings at the moment. I know they got new Warner who, who got them to stay up, but I think Huddersfield not got the most signings who respect, especially under the new ownership under with Kevin Nango. I thought they would have done a bit more, but at the moment, I can see. I think they're probably in my favourite relegation at the moment. That's fine by me. As long as we're not in the bottom three, that, that that's fine. Uh, no, no, I don't. Well, you guys in the bottom three, I like I like Plymouth. I don't, they're good. I like the deep tees, and I like the, how your fan base is very passionate. Especially you, one of the top, the cities. I've never been in the top flight, and I think you it's been overdue for one for someone down the down that from the West Country to get into the Premier League. Yeah, that that would be brilliant. But I think that's a few years off yet. Let's <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. But uh, before, <laughs> before we go, Carl, where can people find you and your output? Yeah, you can, you can find me personally at CarlEven92 on Twitter. Uh, you can find the Totally Leaving Hall Football Podcast at the at LH Football Pod on Twitter. Also, we're on YouTube as well, so please subscribe as well and also notify if we go live. I should have uh, the, Saturday morning, the Saturday show back on in a fortnight's time. But, you know, once I speak to Douglas to get confirmation. And I'll be doing some more match reviews as well and previews as well this season. Uh, also, you can find us on the go on the podcast services, on the podcast world on Google, Apple, and other podcast services. And, yeah, so please follow us there. And we're also on Instagram at it as well. Find us there and also on Threads. Brilliant. Appreciate that. Thanks, Carl. Thank you very much, Aaron. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And even though it's our own pod, we decided to insert our own preview of the season. I'm joined by Joe Bell, uh, famously of this parish, um, to run through his predictions for the season. But we'd chuck it in there anyway. We're doing 23 other teams. Why not do ourselves? Um, yeah. Joe. Yes, Aaron. Um, should we crack on? No time like the present. The current mood amongst the fan base ahead of the new season um, has changed within the space of a week. Um, I think there was a lot of apprehension and tension, um, trepidation even, maybe going into the week before last. But obviously, we have managed to not only break our club 
record transfer fee for a player, but we've also then gone and matched it in the space of five days, which I think has given a lot of people among the Green Army a lot of hope, a lot of belief that we are serious about this push for the championship. We are serious for staying in the championship. And we're not just here to make the numbers up. We have an owner who is ambitious. We've got a manager who is exciting and ambitious. We've got a group of players who are hungry, they're determined, they care, and they believe in in the project. So the current mood is buoyant, I would say, after last week. Insight into the manager, what's he like? He comes across as quite mellow, quite shy, I would say, um, certainly in the media. But he is probably one of the best things to happen to Plymouth Argyle for quite some time. He is very down to earth, very humble. You know, he when you think about where he's taken us in the short space of time since he assumed control of the wheel, um, we have gone on any upward trajectory at a faster speed than anyone could have imagined. He's already given us some amazing days. You think to that wonderful 41 minutes against Chelsea. Well, the whole 122 minutes against Chelsea, really. Um, but that first 41 minutes was something I'll never forget. You think of the the amazing push for the playoffs that year. Um, and then just last season was just memory after memory after memory. Um, from beating Ipswich to go top of the league, to the comeback at Derby, to beating Exeter. Like, it's just, it's an unbelievable roller coaster that's only going up. Um, at some point, we will have to dip a little bit, as with every roller coaster. But I think this is an Australian roller coaster where it's going to be upside down and it's just going to keep going up, um, we hope. Uh, the transfer window. Um, how's that gone? Uh, yeah, it's been pretty quiet, isn't it? Nothing's really, nothing's really happened for us. Um, I think we'd all agree that we've covered a lot of areas that needed strengthening. Um, we still need to get another option in up front. Could probably still do with another option in midfield. Um, other than that, I think we're just ticking squad depth positions now, really. Um, I think we only really need two. Um, and the rest is just for a bit of depth. Um, so we're going to utilize the loan market very well, as we always do. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll continue this try before we buy scheme for next year with loan players. Um, seems to have gone all right in the last 12 months. Which summer signing am I most excited by? Um, I'm going to stay away from the generic two, I think, um, just because it would be the answer that everyone expects me to give. Um, the summer signing I'm most expected by is Julio Pleguizelo, and I've been practising that, um, or Pleggy to you and I. Um, he has quite the pedigree, um, given some of the clubs that he's been on the books for previously in his career. Um, it looks like a bit like a football manager career mode, to be honest with you. Um, he had a very good year in FC20 last year, making plenty of appearances. Um, I don't know a great amount about the Eredivisie, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I just about know the teams that compete in European football every year. Um, so I don't know what the standard's like nowadays, but we've all seen the highlights reel of him gliding past Ajax players with the ball at his feet, um, which is a, a novel signing, I suppose. Um, but he looks to have settled into life really well. 
the, the appearance, the bits I've seen of him in pre-season. Um, I've seen us play three times now, um, and he's looked pretty assured whenever I've seen him play. Um, so hopefully, he will adapt to English football rather well, and he's probably the one I'm most excited about, just because he's the unknown package amongst them. Best player at the club currently. Um, this is an easy as answer as the nine I've had to give, really. Michael Cooper. Do I have to elaborate much on that? Probably not. Everyone in the world knows about, well, certainly everyone in England knows about Michael Cooper. I'm sure his name is on the wires in Europe as well. But um, yeah, he's just the best asset this football club's got. On the playing sense, uh, best youth prospect and academy player to look out for. We sort of touched on this on our latest episode of the summer recap, but there's quite a few of these. Um, we gave a good um, mention to Freddie Osaka. Obviously, Will Jenkins Davis has gone out on loan. Um, the I'm going to give you two. Um, one of them has only just joined the apprenticeship scheme, and that's a young lad called Joe Hatch, um, 16 years of age already capped for Wales at youth level. Um, he certainly seems to know where the goal is, which is a very handy attribute to have when you're a good striker. Um, so he's one to look out for for the coming years, but one who's very much in the present, I would say, is Caleb Roberts. Um, seen him put in very assured performances in pre-season this year. Um, very much fits the mould of of an Adam Randall, of a Will Jenkins Davis, you know, that that progression in the career is something that we're seeing quite often now. And it's a very good thing to have because I think this crop of youngsters is as good a crop as youngsters as Plymouth Argyle's had for a long time, um, which is promising. Expectations for the season. Um, I expect us to be competitive. Um, I'm not going to go much further than that. I expect us to ruffle a few feathers, to poop a few parties, if you will. Um, I certainly don't expect us to be languish. I don't expect us to make up the numbers. That is for sure. I think we're we're more than capable. Um, we've got one of the best managers in the football league, one of the most exciting, dynamic managers in the football league. We've certainly got the best chairman in the football league and probably the best board in the football league um almost everything is now in place for this club to be in the championship for a long time um and if it is going to be in the championship for a short period of time i hope that's because we've gained promotion to the premier league but that's probably still a long way off in the project realistic prediction of where argyle will finish and what constitutes a good season um, I said this to somebody in the week. I think a realistic expectation would be somewhere between 13th and 18th. Um, because I really, I saw quite a bit of the championship last year. Um, and I didn't think the standard of the bottom half of the table teams was something that was insurmountable for the three teams that were quite clear that were coming up from League One. Uh, two of us have certainly seemed to have adapted well to life in recruiting players for the championship. One of them just seems to be wanting to fight with itself. Um, they shan't be mentioned, but their neighbours are in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, I think anywhere, sort of, it would be the bottom third, I would think. I think we'd have an incredible season if we finish higher than that, but I don't see us 
um, getting relegated, what constitutes a successful season, survival in the championship. Um, I'm not fussed about a cup run. I don't know. I don't actually know what the Green Army's thoughts on this are, but I'm not really fussed about a cup run because the 46 championship games are, are the bread and butter. So for once, I'd probably sacrifice a, an FA Cup run um, if it ensured championship football next season. Um, as much as I'd love a championship cup run, given we're straight into the third round and straight against the big boys, you never know who you're going to get. But um, I'd probably sacrifice all that to stay up. Um, and we never have a cup run in the League Cup and we're playing late in Orient again. So we know not. we've seen this play before. We know how it plays out. Um, and last but not least, how do you predict Argyle to get on in their first season? Well, I've just said it, really. Um, I... <laughs> I don't expect us to make up the numbers. I think there are clubs in the division who are far worse off than us. Um, we're in a much better shape than a lot of clubs in the championship, I think. Um, so, yeah, I expect us to be competitive. I think we will shock a few people. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to do a Luton or anything like that. But um, but why not? Why can't we dream that we'll have a successful season? Um, and we will almost definitely finish above Preston North End, um, which is the most important part of it all. So, um, yes, I think we'll be competitive. I think we'll stay up. I think we'll have a bloody good run at it. And I can guarantee that Home Park every week is going to be bouncing. We're going to average a huge away following every week. And let's roll up our sleeves and take it to these big boys in the championship and see where we end up. Hello, um, I'm Ben, a QPR fan, and um, I run W12 Podcast, which is a QPR podcast. Here to give you a bit of a uh, lowdown on QPR and where we are and, and, and how we're set for the start of the season. It's been well documented. Um, it was a bit of a mad season. First few months of the season, riding, riding high. Um, so three or four away wins on the row, in a row, top of the league um, in October. Um, everything looking rosy and then uh, Mick Beal all the links with him and Wolves and Rangers and him saying he's going to stay and not staying um, it completely derailed us really um, since going top of the league in the middle of October we only won four games in 24 since then four games in 24 which is mad um, when you look at it like that we went through three other managers we've got with you know with Neil Critchley, we had Paul Hall for a bit, and then obviously Gareth Ainsworth. Um, we never fielded that same eleven again all season. Um, the one that got us top, we had a, uh, an absolutely disastrous injury list again. We do every year, but it, it just seems to get worse and worse. We had consistently ten players injured, um, different players, but. You know, we'd play a game and someone else would get in. Someone would come back, someone would go. So that that really hampered us as as well as the managerial situation. Um, we had um, a lot of home form was shocking. We won one in fifteen from since Beal left, um, and we were top of the league in the middle of October. Um, so we ended the season. Gareth came in. I think he thought that he could his his presence and his positive attitude and his motivation would see us through but it, it, it really didn't we only stayed up really 
because of the win at Burnley um, and uh, and Reading um, getting their six points deduction, which oh, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, so that was last season in a nutshell, really. Um, Gareth Ainsworth is he the right man? It's really tough for him this season. Um, look, it, it, it's difficult for him this because we're, we're hampered by FFP. Um, this season, we, we we spent quite a lot over the last two seasons looking to possibly go up, or, or you know, we spent a lot on wages, bringing in free transfers, big free transfers that, and we're in our third year of FFP cycle, which has meant that we've really got to cut a cloth this year, and um, it's it's we've let go of um, some real some real big players. Um, and we've not really replaced them. We haven't replaced them yet. So it's it's really difficult for him. He was brought in last year to keep us up, I guess, which he did, albeit he, you know, two away wins right at the end of the season. Without them, we definitely wouldn't we wouldn't have stayed up. Um, the fan base, he's got a bit of a legacy with us because of his history, and you know, he's played quite a lot of games for us, and and but. There is certainly a lot of red flags that that we see last season around how we played. You know, he's he's got this enigma of hoofball, which is entirely true, but it was towards the end, and you know, that sticks with fans. And um, his pre and post press conferences have not been great. I mean, that's really engagement with the manager, so it's difficult. You know, he gets caught up, I think, in the passion and starts saying things that maybe he probably shouldn't. Um, so I think a really bad start for him, start of this season, is tough. It's going to be tough for him because, like I said, the fans will turn quite quickly. We've just lost five nil on in a friendly at Oxford. Um, it could have been eight, nine. We were really that bad. First team players. Um, there's no doubt we need players, and we're looking to get them in. But you know, the squad that we put out shouldn't be losing five nil away at, um, at Oxford. So, so. It, we also we, we, four of our first five games are away from home because of our pitch not being ready, so that doesn't help him. And we've we've got a couple of under, injuries, two people stretched off. You know, it, it's not great. So it's going to be tough for him. But if he could, you know, you know, if he feels like someone who who, who thrives off that kind of negative energy and, and, and could come up trumps, but it's going to be tough for him. Um, summer window, we've we've like I said, we've lost quite a few players. We, we've sold Rob Dickey to Bristol City, Sally Dieng to Borough. Although that sounds not great, I can't say I'm that that bothered if that makes sense. Rob Dickey had a really poor season last season. There's a good player in there, and, and he showed it, but he had, he was woeful last season. Um, and if Bristol City are getting anything like that player, then then 1.5 million on his last year of his contract is, is good business. Same with Sonny Dieng, not a great season, good keeper, but you know, towards the end, didn't feel like he was really there. Attitude, making mistakes at pretty much every game. Um, so to move him, I want to get to your 2 million plus. It's probably a good bit of business for us. We've lost our captain, Stephanie Hansen. He didn't play. Doesn't fit Gareth Ainsworth's style of play, I don't think. Um, Luke Hamos, Leon Balligan, experience has gone to um, Rangers with, with McBeal and we've lost five loans four loans um, 
in which were quite important for us last season in, in relation to appearances, apart from Tyler Roberts, who um, didn't play at all. Um, and we've brought in we've brought in Asma Begovic, who was a really good signing. Um, probably the so far the sort of signing of our window. He's going to come in and give us a bit of experience. Probably going to be captain. It feels like that's what Ainsworth alluded to. Um, but the side desperately lacks experience. <laughs> so, so so it's good to get him in. Morgan Fox will also do that. We've brought him in at the back. It's good. We need centre-backs. We haven't got any uh, at the moment. Um, Jimmy Dunn got stretched off, like I said. So, so And he needs to get fit. Um, we've signed Paul Smith. Um, so that was good. Um, from... Like, we had a really good season last season. We let him go on a free, but he's got a bit of pace. It's just, again, keeping him fit. He's injured again already, so um, that's tough. But he's a good player. We've just signed Jack Colback, I think. Not been announced yet, but it's pretty much done, so we're told. So he, he, he'll, he'll strengthen the midfield, give us a bit of bite that we desperately need in there. And I imagine that we'll get a few loans in towards the end of the season to backfill some of the positions. Right back, probably another forward. Um Weak part of the squad, I mean, centre-back, we... I mean, where do I start? I say centre-back, but I could name four or five other positions, if I'm honest. We're, we're short up front. We've got Lyndon Dykes. Outside of that, not a lot else, really, um, first-team-wise. Right-back's an issue for us. Um, it always has been. We just keep backfilling it with loans. And centre-back, at the moment, it's probably our centre-back. We haven't got any fit centre-backs, which is a problem. Um, which one I think we're trying to address, but it's not easy, isn't it, on a, on a shoestring budget. Um, best player at the club at the moment? Well, it's probably Elias Chair. We've managed to keep him. I don't know if he'll be here by the end of August. Um, I don't know if he's here himself. Um, he, he, he looks out of sort at the moment. Um, so I will cause trouble. He calls trouble every time he comes on. Again, it's just keeping him fit. And giving him the experience because he's got a lot of expectation on him, and, and I think it weighs bare. I mean, he could have probably done with a loan last season, but we didn't, and Bill didn't want to, and, and, and then we got injuries, so he stayed around but didn't have too many appearances. But Gareth Ainsworth seems to think that he will have a lot of game time this month, and I've got no issues with it because he's going to cause problems. We just need to, he just needs that goal. But um, Sinclair Armstrong's probably our best youth player. Mood ahead of the season. I mean, you can probably gauge um, by my tone and, and <laughs> that it's going to be a tough season. Like, um, I mean, Gareth Ainsworth likes to remind us at every opportunity that we are in for a tough season. Expectation needs to change. We're up against it. It's the best championship it's been in years. So we constantly get that. So, um, so when you you hear that from your manager, it's not very motivational so it's going to be a tough season we know that um, it is a tough championship and we haven't strengthened at the moment so he's up against it like I said and, and I think if we can stay up this season and, and, and get back to an FFP cycle where we can afford to buy players and you know because it isn't the, the want of us wanting to spend we just physically can't because of FFP and we're not happy to risk it like other clubs are at all we're not even, we don't even want to go close to it which is good but it's frustrating at times Um Oh, I've said that we'll either surprise everyone and sort of get up top half the table, low top half, or we'll just be rock bottom. I think that's my sort of thinking ahead of it. But I think that's a fair assessment of um, of expectation. I think we need 
some options um, for sure um, up there. Um, who will win the league this season? Uh, I I think less stuff in the teams that have come down um, look really strong at the moment. I think they'll look, you know all the teams will look different come end of August, but. I think Leicester at the moment, I can't look past them. I just did my championship fantasy team and, and it's ridiculous. Their team, you could put, you know, I think I picked about five players from their team. Um, so I think Leicester will win it. I think runners up be Borough. I've got a bit of a, I think Carrick, really good manager and I think they'll strengthen even more from now to August and I think they'll do really, I think they'll finish runners up and Dark Horses, I think Stoke have had a good window. Yeah, I say that a lot every year though, so they're more Coventry. No, Coventry probably isn't a dark horse anymore, but one of them two I think will do really well this season. Um, Plymouth, yeah. I mean, the thing is, when you come up, I always think that no matter you know, what your team is, you always have that bounce. You always have that mentality. It's the opposite to what we've got, right? Going into the season, shot to pieces. We go 1 0 down, we're, we're in bits. Um, whereas I think. When you come up, you have that winning mentality. The players want to win. So, I, yeah, so I think you'll be all right. I think you've made a couple of good signings. I think you've got Whitaker back as well, um, who's a good goal scorer. So, I, I think Plymouth I think, will be probably be there or thereabouts come the end of the season down there, but could very well survive. Um, relegation, I will put Huddersfield. I think they'll struggle. I think Rotherham will struggle. No, it's Rotherham, but I, I think it, I think they'll be down there, and I think it will be between probably us, probably Sheffield Wednesday. I know that they haven't strength for too much. East Plymouth, um, but other than that, I feel, look at the other teams, and they all look like they've strengthened pretty well. The teams that were down there last season with us, like Cardiff, look like they've they, they look in a better position and place. Hull, Bristol City, yeah. So I think that'll be that. Um, content, yeah. I mean, look, W Twelve Podcast. Um, we're on Twitter, all social media platforms. Give us a listen. We've got players and and current players, ex players. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the season. Joining me to talk through all things Watford is Mike from the Rookery End Podcast. Thanks for jumping on, Mike. How are you? Do you know what? I was enjoying the summer so much when all there was to worry about was whether it's going to rain in the cricket and now I've got to talk about football again. So that probably tells you where I'm at at the moment. I'm preferring cricket to football. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad place to be in. Not a, <laughs> yeah. not a cricket fan myself, but um, yeah, I can't imagine that's much fun. I'm not a cricket fan either and that tells you even more about where we're at at the moment. Uh, kick us off by just like giving us a quick overview of last season. How did it, how did you get on? I mean, um, obviously, Watford got relegated from the from the Premier League the, the season before. Um, we knew it was going to be difficult to to come back up. Um, started off pretty well under under Rob Edwards, um, and he he seemed to fit the profile of the head coach that that Watford fans had been calling out for. Someone young, someone quite progressive, um, someone that we could sort of build a bit of identity around. But obviously, that didn't last long. Um, and I don't really want to go into much detail as to where Rob Edwards went after Watford and what he achieved uh, subsequently in the in the season. If you don't mind, I'm sure there'll be plenty of other uh, coverage on that little um, nasty little episode 
elsewhere. And then after Rob Edwards left, it was a familiar procession of, of new head coaches, none of which were able to get a tune out of uh, a Watford squad that on paper looked incredibly talented, but in reality looked like a disparate um, mess. And ultimately, more often than not, last season, we were uh, a lot less than the sum of our, our parts. And it was... It's quite dispiriting, really. No one expected to, to go back up easily, but I think what we did expect was to at least look like we were challenging, look like we were organised, look like we were going to be competitive. And all too often, it just, just wasn't the case. And there was very, very little to enjoy about last season. And it's not just because we weren't um, going back, we weren't competitive in terms of mounting a challenge to go straight back up. It was just the nature of of what was being served up. The, the players looked disinterested. We fell into the same old trap of going through new head coaches and, yeah, very little to get um, excited about last season, unfortunately. Yeah, you mentioned it there, your um, famous rotation of managers. Obviously, you're, you're now with uh, Larian Ishmael. Give us a, a brief overview on him and how long you think he'll last. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. And the, the reality is, I think that Gino Pozzo, the, uh, the owner, is unlikely to change his, his ways. I think he's very, there was a, a fans forum over there at the start of the summer where for the first time in 10 years, in, in the first time in his tenure, really, uh, Gino Pozzo actually spoke to the, the supporters directly. And what we were able to glean from that was that he is very, very confident that he his methods are the right way. So if you extrapolate that out, we can work on the basis that if after eight, nine, ten games, Watford aren't challenging near the near the top of the division and aren't looking like a decent unit, then the axe is going to swing again because we've seen it so many times before. Uh, there's absolutely no reason for us to think he's going to change. So, yeah, I think, and I assume Valerian Ismail has come into the job knowing that's the, the, the situation. I think the only slight caveat is... That there has been a massive clearing of the decks. The, the, a huge number of players have left Watford um, over the summer. So it does look like there's a bit of recalibration going on. And whether that recalibration includes a change on the approach when it comes to head coach, that, that remains to be seen. But I think the, the thing that we're hoping as Watford supporters is at least, you know, Valerian Ismail's direct, um, very um, pressing style, high energy um at least that's something that we can build around. At least players can can understand what they're supposed to be doing. Because all too often last year, it looked like the exact opposite. It didn't look like there was any coherent plan at all. So regardless of whether Ismail's a success and his his tactics are success, at least it, we know that the the players are going to be going to be well drilled, which which wasn't a given last year at all. So. We're not holding our breath for, for, for him to be there um, if we do record this podcast this time next year. But to be honest, that would be success for a lot of Watford supporters. Me, certainly. I'd, I'd take finishing comfortably in mid-table and having the same manager. That that would be a massive, massive win for us, just to have the same head coach in charge at the end of the end of the season. Yeah, it's the small things in life, hey? That, like, uh, keep us going. <laughs> you, you, you say about clearing the decks there. Obviously, you've lost uh, Jal Pedro... To Brighton, you've you've lost Ismail Assar. I think it's seventeen players that are out the door, right? So, how has your summer transfer window gone? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Watford fans are a little bit concerned, um, happy and concerned, if that makes sense. And football supporters are a complicated bunch, aren't we? We're never happy. We're pleased that the, the those decks have been cleared for the reasons I spoke about. You know, the squad has looked 
poor for, for two seasons, really. He looked disinterested, bloated, um, and just not really fit for purpose. To, so to see those, see a clearing of the decks, it, it's just been overdue. The, the problem is, obviously, most people have already have seen what, what sort of player Jao Pedro is uh, for, for Brighton in that, just in those performances in the, the summer series over out in the States. He's really catching the eye already. He's a, he's a superb player. Ismail Assar, everyone knows what he can do, his pace, he's, he can score goals as well. He's been a bit up and down for Watford. Um, but they've gone. Um, Keenan Davis, who was on loan from Villa last year, he didn't set the world on fire, but he did chip in with goals. So you take those guys out of the equation, and whilst everyone knew they were going to go, it does mean that those goals have got to be replaced. And coming in in the, in the place, we've signed Tom Ince um, from relegated Reading, a name that probably need, needs no introduction. I think he's injured, so he's not going to be available for the start of the season. But a, a, an OK championship player to have, certainly. And then Reese Healy has come in. He was at Toulouse after been a bit of a German journeyman, I think, not a German, journeyman, um, and Milton Keynes, Dons um, and, and, and places like that. He scored a lot of goals for Toulouse, but has had a bad injury. Um, and he's basically the, as it stands, um, the the only real new striking option that we've that we've brought in. So to consider, we were so bad last year with those players that we've talked about leaving. Have we replaced them with upgrades? <laughs> the, the jury is, is is very much out on that. One thing that's interesting at the time of recording, Watford released their their squad numbers, and there isn't a number nine. So there isn't a player currently attached to the number nine shirt. So. One would hope that means there's a there's a striker coming in, but again, it, it looks for all the world like Watford's finances are having needing to be uh, trimmed a little bit, as you'd expect being relegated from the Premier League and not going back up. Parachute payments run out. We're only back in the Premier League for a year, so you, you get less parachute payments uh, as a result of that. So I don't think there's too many Watford supporters holding their breath for a, a prolific number nine coming in, but. They need something because for me, looking at the squad, um, there have been additions and there have been a few sort of players that look like they might be able to do something, but we haven't got any goal scoring threat at all, really, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, in terms of the summer business, I think that's where we're, we're really lacking goals. Yeah, you mentioned um, earlier that you'd, you'd happily take a mid-table finish and, and keep the same manager for a season. What is a what is a realistic expectation for yourself? Where do you, where do you think you finish? I think that mid-table. I think I, I have. If anyone who listens to our podcast will know I'm relentlessly pessimistic, so they will probably roll their eyes when they hear me say this. I've got <laughs> concerns that we might get dragged in at the wrong end. I think it's an incredibly difficult division this year. I think it's it's really concertinaed up with the teams that have come up. I think they'll be difficult to play against. Um, home crowds are going to play a, a, a big part for for the for the promoted sides. And the relegated sides, of course, Southampton, Leicester um, and Leeds will all be expecting to, to go back up. So I think it's really concertinaed in the, the championship this season. I think it's going to be incredibly difficult. Um, I think it was an easier, much, much easier di- division last season, as you'll, uh, as you'll be able to tell from the playoff winners. If that lot can get out of the championship, then anyone can. Um, but I, I, think it's going to be, I think it's going to be difficult. So my first hope is that Watford don't get, and I, and I genuinely mean this, don't get pulled into a relegation battle because I think that's that's possible. Um, if they can avoid that, I, I just think middle of the table would would do, considering the amount of players that have, have moved on 
um, the the gaps that appear to be in the squad and the entire sort of project of of recalibrating the the way the club is run in terms of big wages, big name players, and so on and so forth. We've seen it so many times before. Teams come out of the Premier League, struggle to acclimatise, and then carry on falling down through the divisions. I think our first priority is going to be making sure that doesn't happen. So mid-table, I think, would represent a a, a really decent season for us, and I'd, I'd, I'd genuinely be happy with that. Yeah, let's move on to some quick-fire predictions then. I won't keep you too long. Uh, who, who for you wins the league? It's so tough. The, the championship is absolutely stark raving mad. Um, it's anyone can beat anyone on their on their day, and it's it's so obvious not to look past the um, not to look past the, the teams that have been relegated. I think Leicester will be um, will be there or thereabouts. I think they've obviously lost some big name players, but they've. I think they'll they'll regroup quite quite well. Um, Southampton, it remains to be seen who, who they're going to lose and how, how well they acclimatise. I think Leicester will win the league. I think Borough will go close again. I think they've uh, they were were solid last season. They they grew into it and and were increasingly difficult to to beat. I think they will will challenge. So Leicester or or, or Middlesbrough for me. No, so if we consider those your top two, who who makes playoffs? <sighs> Again, like stick all the names in the hat and, and and pull four out. I think Leeds will Leeds will probably be there. Um, I'd, I'd like to see Coventry sort of build on on last year's momentum. I've got a lot of time for uh, for Mark Robbins and a lot of time for them keeping <laughs> sticking with their their head coach and uh, and they they're, they seem to be building something there. The crowds are back at the Rico. Um, and that's that's come from hard work and and, and just doing things properly. So I quite like Cov to um, to get in there as well. Also like to see one of the one of the promoted sides get in there. There's always a, always a bit of a surprise. So why not Plymouth? I reckon they might uh, they might surprise a few and at least have a decent tilt at the at the playoffs. But apart from that, I mean, it, it's going to sound like a, a, a cop out, but. Until until you see how teams settle and 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 react to their their, their summer signings, it's so hard because any, anyone could be anyone. I think Hull might be um might be one to to watch. I think Liam Rossini is building something there. They're getting backing from their their new owner, and there's a, there's a bit of a feel good um about the about Hull. So let's uh, let's stick them in there as well. Yeah, I tipped uh, Hull to be a dark horse on our podcast and got shot down but so yeah I'm well I'll stick, up, I'll stick up for you mate we'll 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 stick up for hold together oh good oh good obviously we play you up first our first away game is obviously at Vicarage Road how do you think that one will go again and I'm not not trying to sort of lull you into a false sense of, of confidence but Watford fans are going into this this season with a real sense of trepidation um, this lack of goals is a is a real problem and I think we've got QPR first up which a lot of people are talking as being in a bit of a mess. But one thing you know about any Gareth Ainsworth side is that at the very, very least, they'll be up for it and they'll be sort of well-drilled to, to, to do what they what they do best, whether that's game management or go down, whatever it is. They, under Gareth Ainsworth, they, they're going to be difficult to, to beat. And I think without wanting to sound like Watford are still a big fish, I, I suspect, you know, it's, it's one that, that Argyle fans are, are looking forward to. I suppose it's one of the closer... Um, games to get to, which which sounds absolutely ridiculous, um, yes, and it's surprisingly it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds sounds insane. Make sure you get a drink in town. You can't get a drink once you're uh, inside the away end. Little uh, little hint for um, 
for all the travelling Argyle fans, yeah, don't get don't go straight in, go for a beer somewhere else first. But I think you know they'll obviously travel in, in, in numbers. We'll be bang up for it. It's at the start of the season. We'll see Watford as a sort of relatively recent Premier League scalp, and Watford are there to be to be got at. I, I really think so, and uh, I think it could be an entertaining game. Um, Plymouth, it just that wave of winning, remembering how to win and how to succeed is a is a massive thing, and I'm sure the um, the feel good factor will have remained around the club throughout the summer and into the into the start of the new season. Is it the first? Is it a first away game of the of, of the season? That's always a sort of big um, event, isn't it? So, I I I'd take a point. I'd take a point, but I think it'll be a I think it'll be an open game. I think Plymouth will go for it, and it will be a massive massive test for Watford. I think that despite what I've said about Watford struggling for goals, I think there might be goals in it. Uh, let's go for an, uh, an entertaining three all in the sunshine. How about that? Before you go, then just your three to go down. I I I don't know. I, is the is the honest answer. I I really don't know. I think teams that have a slow start are going to find it difficult this year, because I think it's just such a such a difficult such a difficult division. Um, I don't, for, Watford are fourteen to one to go down. So if you've got a spare quid in your pocket, maybe stick a uh, a quid on Watford to go down. Um, perhaps Rotherham um, might might find it difficult. And I wonder whether Millwall might have a bit of a hangover from from last year. They blew up spectacularly on the on the last day to to miss out on the playoffs. It was in their hands, um, and and they they blew it big time in a in a quite extraordinary game. So I wonder whether there might be a little bit of um, a uh, a hangover at um, at the New Den. So uh, let's go Rotherham, Millwall, and, and maybe Watford. <laughs> I think you've named three clubs there that, um, or two clubs there, sorry, that nobody else has mentioned for the relegation picture. So, um, yeah, interesting. Interesting. Before you go, Mike, can you just let everybody know where they can find your content? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm on Twitter at Rookery Mike. The, the podcast is Watford Podcast on uh, on Twitter and, uh, and Instagram. Uh, it's called From the Rookery Ends. Um, we'll be obviously doing a podcast straight after the the Plymouth game, so well worth um, looking uh, looking it up after after your trip to, to Vicarage Road to find out what we made of the mighty mighty Pilgrims. But yeah, from the rookery end, yeah, just just stick us in the old Google machine and you'll uh, and you'll find us. Cheers, Mike. Appreciate that. Thank you. No worries at all. With that, brings a close to another green and white pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. 
If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.